Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're going to start at verse 1, if you don't mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and we're going to read through to verse 10. And the word of the Lord says, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard unexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. My old pastor used to say that. Back at a True Victory Baptist Church. Glory be to God. That's where I gave my life to the Lord. Pastor Ulysses Reed. I actually talked to him uh, about a few weeks ago. Praise the Lord. So it was good to connect. Matter of fact, um, the pastors that I grew up under, they're still serving the Lord and in the ministry. Glory to God. That's so exciting. Well, the Apostle Paul is the writer of this passage of Scripture And uh, give you a little background, the Apostle Paul was not always the Apostle Paul. He was born as Saul. And he was born as a prestigious man, really. I mean, very privileged. I mean, he grew up in a nice home, if we could say that. I mean, he went to the best of schools. He was born in a very prestigious family. And then he grew up and he became a... Pharisee, which is a religious leader, and he was blameless according to the law. I mean, his skill set, his talent, his credentials caused him to be blameless according to the law. He was second to none. No one was like uh, Saul. And Saul was a guy that was highly credentialed. He was a scholar, and he could not You could not find any fault in him except he wanted to kill Christians. And so Saul, a man that is so very credentialed, so many accolades, prestigious home, great background, great schooling, 
came to the conclusion that Jesus' followers, the Christians, Christ, Christian, Christ is the root word. The Christians should be dealt with. They should be murdered. They should be killed. So on his way, after getting approval from the high priest, he's on his way on the road to Damascus to kill Christians, but he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, isn't it amazing that how and when the Lord Jesus encounters us. It's, I'm always amazed. We're, we're, we're looking always for, for something to happen in a big place, but his encounters are typically in a small place. Uh, some of the greatest words I've heard from the Lord Jesus Christ was in a small place, was in a place where I was by myself and, and in an intimate place, a small place. Here Paul is walking. And he's got a team with him that's behind him, but he's walking, but he encounters Jesus. And this encounter transformed his life. Any encounter with Jesus should transform your life. You cannot remain the same after encountering Jesus. This encounter transformed his life. He, it, it, well, Jesus spoke to him and he knew it was Jesus and he gave his life to the Lord. And then immediately he became a believer. So he was killing Christians. Now all of a sudden he is a Christian. And he changed his name to Paul. And then he went 14 years. We don't hear anything about him for 14 years. And then he comes out of this 14 year, I want to say training. He comes out of this 14-year training, and he writes 15 of the 27 epistles in the New Testament, and we're still living by his writings today. This man, Paul, has gone through suffering, physical suffering. I mean, shipwrecked, beaten. I believe he was stoned to death. This man, Paul, has gone through so much. Now, he had a cush lifestyle before as Saul, right, I mean, prestigious, Pharisee, ruler, scholar, but he gave his life to Jesus and then he's going through heartache, pain, mental suffering, uh, physical suffering. But the difference is Jesus is with him. No, no, if anybody preached the gospel to you that if you give your life to the Lord, everything going to be all right. That was a fake, phony gospel. You're going to go through some things, but the difference is Jesus is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. He has gone through so many things. And now we pick up here in the scriptures, he's preaching and he's telling the people. We see in the first six verses, he's saying to them, I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to brag. I'm not arrogant. Then he talks about a man that had seen the third heaven. Now, I want to do some explanation here. Treat this like Bible school. The Bible refers to three different types of heavens. The first heaven is like the sky. That can be viewed as the heaven. You look up in the sky, and that's heavens. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is like space. Second heaven. And the third heaven is where God is. Uh, also referred to as paradise. So he said, I was caught up in the third heaven. He was where God is. And there were words spoken in the third heaven that he cannot, he was not allowed to even share what he heard in the third heaven. That's how sacred and holy uh, uh, words that were uh, occurring and spoken in heaven. He couldn't even share it with us. But he goes on because he doesn't even want to come across as bragging or arrogant or prideful. He, he says it's another man. 
But it's really, he's talking about himself. But it's not because he doesn't want to come off bragging. And he says that several times. I, I don't want to boast. I don't brag. I'm not trying to exalt myself. And then we get to verse 7. In verse 7 there, he says, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now look at me here. A lot of translations in scripture use the word lest Paul should be overcome with pride or arrogance. And I submit to you that if you really study this out, Paul is not dealing with an arrogant problem here. He tells you before, I'm not boasting. I will not brag. All before that, he's telling you, I'm not bragging. I'm not boasting. But a lot of scholars, a lot of people, and even some Bible translations will tell you that Paul is dealing with arrogance. So God had to use the devil to help Paul not be arrogant. That is incorrect. Paul is a very influential man, and his influence is increasing greatly. Even to the point we find out in Acts chapter 19, uh, some people try to cast a demon out, seven sons of Sceva. They try to cast a demon out of a person, and the demon looked at them and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? <laughs> Uh, side note, if you look at the word know, it's two different words know there too. So the first know, it says, Jesus I know. Look it up in the Greek. It's two different words. The first one says, oh, we know him. Like we intimately know him through experience. I mean, we know him. The second know when he says, and Paul I know, just look it up, study it out. The second know, it says, we have observed him. We've been watching him. He's been making an impact and we got our eyes on him. Jesus, oh yeah, we know Jesus. Paul, we've been watching him, but you, who are you? <laughs> and so we know that Paul's influence is increasing greatly. And we understand that Paul's impact is increasing where the demonic realm is aware of his endeavors, is aware of his progress, and they're afraid of him. And in verse 7, he says there, because, watch this, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. Paul's here. What Paul is saying here, lest I be promoted by God once again. I mean, God's given me so much revelations and I'm getting promoted. I'm going to another level. My ministry is increasing. I'm writing like crazy and people are getting this out. We're starting churches. Lest I go to another level, uh, exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. But notice the thorn in the flesh was not given to him by God. Thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan. That's the thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure, or lest I be promoted by God. So a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Anytime you hear this word thorn in the flesh, I want you to think one thing, because scripture has to communicate with scripture. And out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. Now, scholars would tell you the thorn in flesh was all types of things, such as some scholars would say it was an eye disease he was right. dealing with. Some scholars would say he had some kind of handicap. 
Some scholars even say that he was dealing with homosexuality. I mean, they, they, all type of things have come up with what this thorn in the flesh that Paul was dealing with. But let me tell you what it is. Do you want to know what it is? I'm going to tell you what it is. Look at Numbers chapter 33 and verse 55 real quick. Don't turn there, jot it down, but I'll read it to you. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. What is the thorn in the flesh? People. Somebody shout it out. It's people. These people will be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides. Look at uh, Joshua 23, 13. Joshua 23, 13. It says, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. The thorn on the side, the thorn in the flesh, once again, is people. Or oh, look real quick at Judges 2.3. Judges 2.3. Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. Once again, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. Anytime in Scripture there's a reference to the thorn in the flesh, it's a reference to people being an irritant towards you, people being a disturbance towards you. It's never a reference to sickness and disease. It's people. That person is a thorn in my flesh. That group of people is a thorn in my flesh. Some of you say, my husband is a thorn in my No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> you might be right in people, but no, your husband should be a benefit, a blessing, glory be to God. But a thorn in the flesh is a group of people. So a messenger of Satan has stirred up a group of people to buffet Paul. That word buffet means to abuse and to insult. To abuse and to insult Paul, a group of people was stirred up by the messenger of Satan to abuse Paul. Listen to this. Since there was no moral flaw in Paul, Satan used a thorn in the flesh because God was promoting him. So he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stir up a group of people and they will become a thorn in your flesh. More than likely, the opposition you're facing is an indicator that you are on the right track. Let me say it again. More than likely, the opposition you're facing is an indicator that you are on the right track because the devil is afraid of you, your gifts, your potential, and your progress. The devil's afraid of you. He's afraid of you. And what the devil typically does is he stirs up a group of people. And he gets those people stirred up and they begin to antagonize you. Uh, they begin to persecute you. They begin to be uh, uh, hostile towards you. They begin to hunt you. They begin to harass you. A thorn in the flesh. Now, for the most part, these people don't even know that they're being used as a thorn in the flesh. The enemy is using them to get you off course. 
and it's harassment, it's hostility, you're being hunted, you're being harmed, you're being talked about, you're being lied to, lied about, stabbed in the back, cheated, lied to. It's the enemy that's stirring all this opposition up to get you off track. And here's, here, here's the interesting thing. If God wants to bless you, he's typically going to use a person or a group of people in order to bless you. Generally speaking. A matter of fact, Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men, shall men, shall men, shall men give unto your bosom. God's going to use people for the most part. He can use anything he want to use, but for the most part, it's going to be people. If the enemy wants to get you off track, if he wants to get you off course, if he wants to separate you from whatever God's called you to do, he's going to use People. He's going to use people to do it. And it's going to be sly. Now, it could be as bad as it was with Paul, where there was serious hunting and and hostility, uh, uh, malicious intent. It could be as high as that in your life. But for the most part, it's the best case scenario for us, which is harassment. We live, we live in a great country, and we don't, we're not being hunted yet. We live in a, so for the, the best case scenario from a persecution standpoint is we're being harassed. And, and the enemy will use something sly. Can I give you all a personal example? This just happened to me. I'm going to be careful because my influence is greater than I realize, so I'm not going to share very specific details. It's going to be very general. But we had some work done in our home. And work got done. I wasn't home. Stacy was home. The man said he did the work, finished. Everything looked good. Everything was feeling good. Great. I get a text from the man. Oh, I, I received the invoice. Great. Get a text from the man. The next day, hey, did, did that, did that get, is that still working in your house? Oh, yeah, thank you, man. It's working well. Thank you. The next day, is that still working in your house? Yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you. The next day, is that still working in your house? Uh, uh, thank you. Yes. The next day, is that still working in your house? Am I missing something? Is it, is it not going to work anymore? Did he put something else in there that's going to stop at any moment? No longer work. I said, yes, thank you. The next day, is it still working in your house? I said, okay, I don't know where this is going. I said, yes, thank you. He said, please pay your bill. That's how I heard it. It was in a text. Please pay your bill. I said, whoa, 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 there's a major misunderstanding here. That bill got paid on the day of the invoice. I've already taken care of it. As a matter of fact, I have the receipt. Here's a picture of the receipt. I sent the receipt to him. I said, listen, the, the, the bill is paid. And then he was like, awesome, thank you. Well, that thing bothered me. Can I be honest with you? It bothered me. It really, I was being harassed for five days, not really realizing it. And then, and I'd already paid the bill. The bill was paid upon receipt that day. That thing bothered me. And I sat there. I sat there. I said, I ain't going to put up with this. <laughs> I said, I'd appreciate. Now, full disclosure, 
I had time to think about this. This wasn't a response. I thought about this. Okay. I said, I'd appreciate if you check with your office first before accusing me of not paying the bill. He said, I don't know why this offends you. I'm working and I just need the bill paid. I said, well, and then I said, whoa, 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 whoa. And I, I said, nope. I said, you accused me of not paying the bill and it was paid. All you had to do was check with your office. Well, I am working. Well, why are you thinking about the bill then? That has been paid, by the way. Now, this is happening in the evening time. My wife and I, we like to get our kids down early because we like to spend some time together. And this is happening during, you know, spending time with my wife, Tom. I'm back and forth on this text. And I knew, I mean, it, not immediately, but eventually as we arguing about it, he can't see what he was doing was wrong. He just wanted the bill paid. The bill was paid if you checked with your office. And, and you could have just simply said, have you received the invoice? And then I would have said, oh, yeah, I got it and took care of that. This thing was on me. I'm back and forth arguing. I go downstairs. I'm telling Stacy about it. And she's looking at me like, why are you going back and forth with this? And this thing was on me. I'm back and forth. And, I, and, and then it, 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 it dawned on me. This is trying to distract me. This is trying to get me off course. My, my time was set aside to be with my wife. But now I'm arguing with, with this man here. And now the, the, the effects of the argument here is now going to affect the time I'm, I've set aside to spend with my wife. Because now all we're going to do is talk about this man and how he harassed me for the last five days. That's not what she wants to talk about. But that's what I want to talk about. Full disclosure, I was mad a couple days later. I was still mad about this. <laughs> this man is, was harassing me the whole time. And please pay your, and then at the end, it wasn't no apology or, you know, oh man, I'm, man, I'm sorry. It was a mix up. We got to tell you, it was all like, thank you. Like, what do you mean? Thank you. It was already done. You were harassing me. And then when I called him on it, he said he wasn't harassing me. Yeah. What, what were you doing there? We're checking on it. No, you weren't. You're harassing me. And the bill was paid. This thing bothered me. And I knew I was going to preach it. And the Lord said, this is why I want you to preach this. <laughs> A thorn in the flesh is people, whether intentionally. Now, real, true persecution is intentional. What Paul was going through was an intentional uh, obstacle, uh, disturbance that was affecting him physically and mentally to get him off course. But in our life, you may not have someone hunting you, but you may have someone unintentionally. Person, group of people, boss, co-worker, family member, harassing you, getting distracting you, getting you off course, getting you off uh, off your stance, getting you off the, 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 the pace that you're on, turning your direction somewhere else. And in this society that we live in today with news, social media, and everybody's got an opinion, how easy is it for the enemy to get us off course? So easy now to where a friend of yours could say something that you completely disagree with, and next thing you know, you guys are not even friends anymore. And that is the tactic of the enemy. I know people right now, 
because one particular person I know right now, the, 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 the grandmother voted for Joe Biden. The grand, the, the daughter did not want them to vote for Joe Biden. So now the grandmother cannot see the grandkids anymore. Simply because of a vote. Separation, getting people off course, family members off course, out of whack, disturbances happening. The, the messenger of Satan has been released in these days now to get you off track, even to the point if he can get you to get you to renounce your salvation, he would try to do that. Well, you know what? And there are many people right now, many celebrities that Christian celebrities are saying, I no longer identify as a Christian. That's happening a lot right now. I no longer identify that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, because the messenger of Satan came in, utilized people and people had experiences. You can't put too much stock in folks. You can't put too many eggs in one person's basket. Listen, I will not fail you. That is my, my goal. That is my stance. I will not fail you. But if I fall, you keep serving Jesus. Amen. Amen. Keep serving Jesus. Don't like, well, pastor failed. That means I, I need to fall too. No, you keep serving Jesus. And so this messenger of Satan, I believe is a group of people was sent. Put that on the screen for me if you don't mind, Jeannie. Verse seven again. To buffet me, to abuse and harass me, lest I continue to be promoted or exalted above measure. Look at verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now, understand, harassed, persecuted, hunted, abused, insulted, stabbed in the back. Paul's saying, I pleaded with the Lord three times. The first time he pleaded with the Lord, he heard nothing. Second time he pleaded with the Lord about this, he heard nothing. Third time he pleaded with the Lord about this, the Lord said this to him in verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. Say that with me. My grace is sufficient for you for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let's pause there. Look at me. Many, many years ago, I was working a, a corporate America job. And I, this guy, I was sitting next to this guy. He started talking about me. You know, you know, I guess they were playing the dozens or whatever. He started talking about me. I don't, I don't like playing the dozens, but I feel like I got, you know, I feel like I got thick skin, whatever. Like, whatever, whatever. Finally, I said one thing back to him. You know, I got caught up. And I said something back to him and everybody started laughing. Then he started acting like he wanted to fight. Well, I wanted to fight too, right? So I said, you know what? You want me to fight you in this office. I said, I said let's go outside. And I started walking to the elevator. And I went out there, I said, and this man, I'll never forget, Jamie Ficino, I'll never forget Jamie Ficino, the Lord, a savior. He was a savior, for, for real. He came and chased me down, grabbed me. Do not go down that elevator. I said, man, I said, no, no. I said, it's time. It's time to pay the piper. You know, it's time. It's time. He's like, don't, I'm, I, don't go down. He's grabbing me. Don't go down that elevator. Don't go down that elevator. He said, it's time. I said, it's time. 
It's time. I said, he was talking about me far too long. And he said, don't go down that elevator. He said, man, listen, if you go down that elevator, everything you've worked hard for will be gone. They're going to fire you and they can't stop it because don't go down. So I go back to my seat. The guy's still sitting there. He's still yapping at the mouth. I'm trying to, I'm trying to just remain calm, keep doing my work. Lo and behold, I go to, that was a Friday. Um, I go to church on Sunday. There was a man in the church. It's good to have fellowship with people in the church. You know that? It's good. Man in church. I told the story to a man in the church. I said, man, I was so hot. I was still hot that Sunday when I told him the story. I said, man, I was so hot. He said, listen now, listen, I got to tell you something important. I said, what? He said, don't underestimate the enemy is the one that's trying to separate you from what God's called you to. He said, it's not this man. It's the enemy. I thought, man, when he said that, it cleared things up. He said, let's bind the enemy. And the enemy will get off the man if we bind the enemy. Yeah. He'll get off. He'll get off. I said, man, we prayed together and we binding it. And, you know, I went back to work on Monday. When I got back to work on that Monday, people around had told management what this guy was doing to me. That man got written up, so on and so forth, got in a lot of big trouble. I didn't get in any trouble at all. Nobody told them I was the one going to the elevator in this year. And, and I didn't tell them that either. But uh, that man got in a lot of trouble. And I do remember there's a guy, he was my boss's boss. He, he called me into his office and he said something to me that's very profound. You need to hear it. He said, let no man or woman stop you from making money. He said, you are not here to make Friends, you are here to make money. And he said, don't let no man or woman stop you from making money. And, and you know, y'all know my story. I got promoted, what, three times in four years and was making a lot of money. At that point, I was on track to continue to make a lot more money. I made a lot more money after that. But if I had fought that dude, I would, I would have been off track. L- listen to me. You can disqualify yourself. I, I know you don't believe that. I know you think that everything you do is right and God's got grace and mercy and thank God he does. But in the eyes of mankind, you can disqualify yourself. And if I would have fought that guy, I would have disqualified myself from the additional promotions that I was in line to make. And he said to me, the man in church, he said, it's the enemy. It's the enemy. And the Lord said to Paul, after he sought him, Three times. Didn't hear nothing. He said, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. My, 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 my enablement, my empowerment, my ability. See, you're feeling weak right now, but that's when I'm strong. And if you would just humble yourself and recognize your weakness and allow my strength to manifest itself in your life, we're, we're going to overcome this thing. And it was the same way I did with the text message. I finally just stopped texting the guy. I had a lot more to say. I just stopped. I said, you know what? By the power of God, I'm going to stop because it's not my power that I'm stopping. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's stopping me right now from continuing this going on because it, it would have got worse. And, and then I, I wanted to fight that dude, okay? I'm telling you, I wanted to. But it's the power of God. And Jamie Ficino, bless God for Jamie. He, he, they, they stopped me. And I went to work that Monday and said, I'm, I'm operating under power because I'm weak right now, but I'm going to operate under the power of God. He says, when, when you are weak, 
then you are strong. You Listen, you got to start changing your mindset that at your weakest moment is the opportunity that God is at his strongest moment. If you would yield to him, you will get over that sin. Some of y'all are dealing with some things that you shouldn't be dealing with. Pornography and some other things. If you yield to him. And at that moment of weakness, his strength will cause you to stop that thing. At that moment is when he's the strongest. At the moment you're about to cut somebody out. That's the moment that God says, my strength can manifest right now in your life. And you can turn the other cheek and walk away and keep going. And not let folks distract you, get you off course, get you off track, get you on another course, uh, 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 disqualify you from what the Lord has for you. On that verse, put it back. I think it's verse, what is it, verse 9? There it is. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. He says, therefore, I most gladly I would rather boast, watch this, in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, Now, listen to me. In my infirmities is in my weaknesses. So the enemy will use people as a trigger to manifest your character flaws. Let me say it again. The enemy, you're not perfect. You have flaws. The enemy will use people to trigger something that will expose. That's the word I'm looking for expose your character flaws. It'll, it'll expose. Next thing you know, uh, can I be honest? I like to argue. So he was, that man, me and that man, I could have went all night because I like doing that. I could argue all night. That's, a, that's, that's one of the flaws. I, I have no problem confronting at all. I have no problem confronting folks. There are a lot of folks that do and I get it. I, I don't. I have to be careful because I like to do it. So I have to be careful like, okay, Take a step back and some stuff are going to work itself out. You don't have to confront. It's just going to work itself out. So with me and that guy or me and the guy that wanted to fight, I've got no problem confronting him. I had no problem confronting that man. I've got no problem to seeing it to the end. But that's that which could be a strength can also be used as a weakness, as a character flaw, as someone that's not controlling themselves, that's undisciplined. And it could be used that way. And the enemy knows, okay, I know how to get him off course. I'm going to make this man harass him. Why is this man thinking about my bill? Well, I mean, he's working, working. He's thinking about my bill only, which was paid already, by the way. I'm telling you, the enemy kept playing it like, you know, contact Devon. He, he ain't paid that bill. And he, he over there working on something at somebody else's house. I need to contact Devon. He ain't paid that bill. That's exactly what the enemy would do. He over there underneath the house, Devon ain't paid that bill. (laughs) I got to contact him to get him to pay that bill. Uh, The enemy, the enemy is all over this thing. Get him off track. Get him, get him off course. Now I'm arguing back and forth and and so on and so forth and and separating me, getting me to, to not... I could be spending that energy writing. You guys know I'm writing another book. I could be spending energy writing. Instead, I'm arguing. Same, same time, but now I'm arguing when I could be writing. The enemy's doing the same thing to you. 
you, I want you to begin to notice it. I want you to begin to just recognize that, no, no, no. That, see, this, this came out of left field. I already, I already know what's going on. This is the enemy trying to create a thorn in my flesh to get me aggravated about something else going on over here. I've got work to do over here. I'm going to be like a duck and just let the water roll off my back. I'm not going to even deal with it. You'll begin to recognize it. Your boss is going to say something to you that's crazy. And you're going to be like, no, no, you know what? I already know. I already know. Pastor didn't talk the word. This is the enemy. This is the enemy. And here's what you and I are going to have to do. We're going to have to forgive those people whom the enemy uses. Ooh, somebody shall forgive. forgive. We're going to have to forgive them and let them go. You don't say, you devil. No, 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 no. You talk to the devil. You don't talk to the person, call him a devil. No, no, no. You talk to the, you talk to the, the devil in your quiet time and you forgive the person. Yeah. Somebody shall forgive. forgive. We're going to have to forgive the people whom the enemy chooses to use. It could be a family member. It could be a family member whom the enemy has chosen to use and they've yielded themselves to it unbeknownst of themselves. I could have been used. You could have been used, right, by the enemy to antagonize someone else. Don't you want someone to forgive you? If you recognize, then forgive them. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive you. I, 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 I let it go. I, I let it go. I, I forgive you. And you got to let it go. Because the enemy is after your destiny. So what Paul was asking he was asking a question that God could not truly answer. He was asking God to remove these people, to get rid of them. He was asking God to eliminate them. Or let's go deeper. He was asking God to, I no longer want to have people problems. And if you no longer want to have people problems, then it's time for you to go ahead and depart this earth. <laughs> if you come to me and say, Pastor, pray for me. I no longer want people problems. I'm going to say, Lord, they want to they go home right now. Just, just release them from their body right now and let them, <laughs> let them go on home. No, they're, they're, you're going to have people problems. Somebody shout people problems. It comes with living in this earth. It comes with the territory. You're going to have problems with people. And God cannot answer that question because he still had work for Paul to do. He was either going to have to take Paul out or take them out. And that's not, that's not necessarily like the nature of God. So he says, no, no, I, I can't. I can't fix that for you, but what I can do for you, listen to me, I can let you know that my grace is sufficient for you. And my grace, my joy, my strength, my enablement is more than enough than you need to handle this obstacle that these people are, are attacking you with. My grace is more than enough. My grace is more than sufficient. And when you're weak, remember, Paul, when you're weak, that's when I'm strong. Let's wrap this up in verse 9 here real quick. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. He says, I would rather boast in my infirmities, the back part. I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul's saying, I want the ability of Christ. I want the, watch this, the boldness of Christ to rest upon me. 
In verse 10, he says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, which is weaknesses, in reproaches, which are insults, in needs, which are laps, in persecution, which is harassment, in distress, which is mental suffering, and, and trials and troubles. I take pleasure in these things for Christ's sake. Watch this. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul is saying God's grace is strong enough, it's sufficient, it's strong enough for any situation that you go through. Jesus says my grace is strong enough for it. So Paul says, okay, I'm going to change my paradigm, I'm going to change the way I think because the grace of God is strong enough to get me through this. I'm going to actually take pleasure in these things because now the power of Christ will be on me. I'm not doing this in my own self and my own ability. I'm doing this now under the power of Christ. So I'm going through a trial and situation. God's grace is strong enough for me. Bless God. That means God's grace is going to overpower the situation. I'm going through mental suffering. God's grace is sufficient, strong enough for me. It's going to help me get through this because it's his grace that's sufficient for you. When you understand that God's power is manifested greatly in your weaknesses, when you're weak, and that's not just tired. It's I don't you don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about this. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is strong enough for me. When someone is just a, a, attacking you, I don't know what to do. But God's grace is sufficient for me. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.